Do you want to hear about great work happening in schools around the world? Just Schools are life-giving places that address feedback, engagement, and well-being for each student. Dr. John Eckert digs deep into the current educational landscape with research, experience, and a good dose of humor and humility. Join us in the desire to do justice, love kindness, and walk with confident humility. Get inspired with stories of improvement in the profession that makes all others possible. On today's episode, you get to hear from two young leaders who are really just starting out their careers in education, but they have a lot of maturity that's far more than I had in my first couple of years of teaching. And so I'm really excited for you to hear from Brittany Griffith and Meredith Fry. Uh, Meredith is teaching in San Antonio and Brittany is teaching in Frisco, and they are some of our newest educators in our leadership program. And I love the energy that they bring to what they do. And I think as we get into increasing levels of crisis in developing administrators uh, as leaders, that we're going to have to look at younger teachers as a place where we can develop leadership. And I think they give me a lot of encouragement in what I see them able to do and the humility that they bring and the energy and positive spirit they bring because of where they're grounded. So enjoy this time with Brittany and Meredith. We have Brittany and Meredith here. I'm going to let them introduce themselves and tell us a little bit how they got into education and where they're at. And then we're going to jump in some questions about being in a leadership program after having taught one year and two years respectively. So let's start with Meredith first and then jump to Brittany. Hello, I'm Meredith. I teach at Great Hearts Classical School. It's a charter school in San Antonio, Texas. And I have always loved um, kids and teaching and have always wanted to be a teacher. And I just see the classroom as a platform to you're with them eight hours a day, almost more than their parents. And so it's a place to not only shape the mind, but the heart. So that's why I wanted to be a teacher. Love it. Love it. And I remember we had a conversation back and it was at 2018, maybe that you were sh- not sure if you wanted to do it as a career. And the conversation was, well, do you want to do it mm-hmm. for the next five years after college? Jump in there because I think for a lot of Gen Z kids, they just can't think about something for 40 years. So how was that freeing for you? Or was that kind of a like, uh, still not sure. How, how did that play out? And then I'm going to jump over here to Brittany. Yes. As a freshman in college being like, what am I going to do? Do I want to do this for the rest of my life? That's kind of a scary thing to think right, about. Right. Um, but having five years of like, no, I love this enough. And even I see education as the platform for so many things. It's a communication degree. It's a psychology degree. And you get to use that every day. And so um, it has been so good. And just to keep taking steps as you process with the Lord and He leads you to good things. And I've loved the classroom that I'm in. And I love, I really do love teaching and what it's going to lead to. Yeah, what a great pitch for teacher preparation there. All right, (laughs) Brittany, jump in. All right, my name is Brittany and I am going into my third year of teaching up in Frisco ISD in Texas. And I began my education journey um, as a sophomore in high school. I was in a course called Peer Assistance and Leadership, and I got to mentor a second grade student. And he came into the school year not knowing how to read, and his gift to me on the last day was reading a chapter from an on-grade level chapter book. And I knew in that moment I did not teach this kid to read, but I was there as a stepping stone, and I read with him every week, and I was part of the process. Um, And so I just really, really saw the impact of teachers on children 
and getting them to have that light bulb moment of I can do this. And I looked at my pal's teacher um, and I was like, I want to do this for the rest of my life. And I was, you know, tears were definitely brought to my eyes because it was such an impactful moment. And I will never forget that day. That's amazing. And what a great way to be hooked into teaching. And then you came to Baylor University and did undergrad there. Absolutely. And that, those feelings were just compounded, I'm assuming? or did Yes. You ha- Every other- time I worked with kids, um, we had, well, I think, about six different opportunities, um, like different schools that we worked with at Baylor during my time in undergrad. And it was always, you know, you had kids that knew what they were doing in the classroom. And then my favorites, honestly, are the ones who th- don't believe in themselves and bringing that spark of joy and hope um, and seeing any light bulb moment of, oh my gosh, like I finally figured that out, Miss Griffith, like you're amazing. Um, now I understand. And it's not, it's not me, it's them. Like yes. they're the ones who did it and I get to be their cheerleader. Yes. Yes. Being that facilitator and cheerleader is powerful. And one of the things I love about Baylor's undergrad program is how many different schools you interact with and how much time you spend out in schools. I also kind of hate it because I'm (laughs) over the leadership minor and I teach the leadership capstone course. And in the last four years, I've had majors from all over campus and I've had exactly one education major that figured out a way to have time for a minor because you spend so much time Mm -hmm. out in schools. There's not time for anything but your degree and the practical experience. But that said, I love that Baylor grads come out with so much experience in the classroom, which you started in your sophomore year of high school. So that's a blessing to the profession for sure. So let's talk about this a little bit. It's unusual, but becoming less unusual that you would jump into a master's in school (laughs) leadership after your second year and after your first year. What was the draw to stepping into this, given the fact that you're still figuring out how to teach and how you love kids and how schools work? Why jump into it now? And what's that experience been like now that you have almost your first two courses under your belt? So either one of you jump in. I'll take it away first. Um, Yeah, when I was in my senior year at Baylor, I remember going to my advisor and saying, hey, um, you know, it was my exit meeting with him. And I was like, I long-term want to be a professor one day. Uh, so what are the steps that I need to do to get there eventually? And he, you know, made it very clear, eventually you're going to need a master's and probably pursue a PhD. Um, and I was like, sweet, you know, in, I don't know, five years, whatever, I'll pursue a master's. And after two years in the field, I was just like, that's silly to put a timeline on that when I'm ready now. Um, I've gained so much experience. I've seen so many things and I've I've grown to question a lot of things right, um, right. and I want to n- better understand why leadership makes the decisions that they do. Mm-hmm. And I'm uneducated in that. So that's what this master's program is teaching yeah. me. Yes. Yeah, so, well, the great thing about grad school, I thought I love teaching undergrad students. I love teaching middle school science students. And I said, well, am I really going to like teaching grad students? And I love it because you have your questions. Mm-hmm. You have this experience of, I don't have all the answers, but I see how this works. And I'm wondering, does it really have to work this way? And so it makes our classes super interesting. So yeah, after a couple of years in the field, especially the couple of years you all have yeah. served, uh, <laughs> Uh, there are a lot of questions and there have to be some better ways to do things. So it's great to start getting some background in how that might look differently. And the good news is if you're thinking about the PhD, Baylor's Ed Leadership PhD, hopefully if the regents approve, we'll be up and running by 2024. And we hope to bring great educators who want to dig into research Mm -hmm. and want to do that in a way that allows others to flourish through that work. 
like that will be an option very soon uh, in the Baylor Ed Leadership Department. So Meredith, what about you? Yeah. So leadership has been something that I've always loved and always felt that that is one of the gifts that God's given me. And so part of this master's is being like, okay, these are just tools to future equip um, how God wants to use me. But also what I've been so encouraged by is that it's not about me and it's mm-hmm. not about my personality and joy or charisma. Like God will use those things, but it's about collectively leading, which has been a huge shift these past weeks of just learning what does it really look like to lead together? And it's not about the person in charge, but empowering other people. And that is just a huge shift as I go back and teach that it's not about getting kids to love me at the end of the year, which Mm -hmm. I want them to love me (laughs) and I love them, but I want to like empower them to love learning and love life. And that's the win. It's not the win on me and the spotlight on me. So that's been huge. And just given like right out of college too, and um, one year teaching, but like I do have freedom and where I'm at. And this Mm -hmm. is a really awesome time to take the space to (laughs) go and get equipped and have a master's and what future use that the Lord's going to use this with. Right. So when I graduated from college, I thought I was fine with, teaching fifth grade or middle school and science and playing kickball with kids at recess <laughs> for the next 40 years. I was like, that sounds awesome. I had no idea where the Lord would lead and, and what that path would take. So I want to follow up with you on this, Meredith, just for a minute. On Monday, we had rotations going through all the faculty members that will teach you over the course of the next 18 months. And you happen to be in a meeting with Dr. Starrett, who's our department chair. And he mentioned one of his experiences that overlapped with a passion that you had that you hadn't seen coming in. You weren't even sure when you started the master's program. I feel like this is the right next step, but I'm not exactly sure what the next step after that is, but I'm just taking this one. And can you just share a little bit of that moment where you're like, maybe this is the reason why I'm here. So Mm. could you take that away? Yeah. It's actually really cool. On Monday morning, I was walking around Baylor campus, just praying like, God, what's my why? And I passed by a Baylor statue that had, um, it's spelled Baylor, but with no Y in the middle. And so I even just prayed up like, Lord, help me find my why. And then that day, um, we're in the rotations and he asked all of us to share what is our future dream job. And honestly, that's been a hard thing. of like, I struggle to dream because I can just kind of see what what's next, but I struggled to dream. And I was like, well, I'd love to be overseas. And that's why I chose teaching too, is because teaching is so universal mm-hmm. and global. Um, and I said, well, I'd love to be overseas, pouring into women, um, pouring into students and stuff like that. And he said, well, where overseas? And he said, I said, the Middle East. And he said, well, I just got back from Pakistan. And Pakistan is actually a country that I've had on my heart since eighth grade and don't know what God's going to do with that. But hearing him say he just got back from a trip with Pakistan that focuses on empowering women in Pakistan, working on sports. I love sports and just education and three of these deep passions. And I felt like the Lord was like, this is your why. And this is why I have you here. It's going to lead to just further things that all around the world. And so it just encouraged my heart so much of like, God, I'm so excited to see kind of where you're going to shape and bring. And I don't even know in like these unexpected gifts, but like I felt very deeply seen by the Lord in that of Pakistan being a place that's been on my heart for a while. Yeah. It's hard to think that's a coincidence. And I've seen your passion for students. I've seen your passion for education and leadership, but I had not seen your passion for sports until we got out in the 104 (laughs) degree heat 
playing pickleball as a cross MA cohort activity the other night. So uh, you definitely need to take pickleball to Pakistan if it's not already there. <laughs> I love right. that. So Brittany, as you've jumped into this, what are some of the things that you've seen as a, as a newer educator that have been encouraging or daunting for you as you think about leadership and where, where you might be being led? I think, honestly, the most encouraging thing is looking around our classroom and just seeing the complexity of our cohort. And that gives me so much hope and joy just in that, like, there's three of us that are relatively fresh out of college and then everyone else has boatloads of experience on top of us, but everyone collectively comes together. I don't feel like my age has anything to do with that. Um, And I get to gain all of this experience and wisdom off of the people in the classroom. Um, And I I was telling my parents, like, I really, really loved my time at my undergrad time at Baylor. Like I will (laughs) advertise Baylor to the winds, but there's something about this graduate program being rooted in Christ and having all these amazing leaders from around the country and different countries as well. I feel way closer to God now through this program than I did, you know, growing up just because we all have so many real life, real world, real hard experiences. Mm. And we're able to share them in a way that grows compassion and pushes us and builds that sense of community on top of, you know, our, we've been really talking about vulnerability and trust. And like, I fully wholeheartedly believe that. Um, Sorry, I kind of feel like I really veered off your question. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> but, great. This um, is what you're taking away from the grad program. And what you're yeah. describing is the difference between undergrad and, and graduate grad, yeah. pr- programs where you are professionals now doing this work. But this bond that you have, because we start with the same truth, mm-hmm. and what we're pursuing is truth together, and we're able to be explicit about how we're doing it. Where as educators, so often I spent 12 years teaching in public schools, and so I wasn't explicit about why I didn't give up on kids, but you don't give up on kids if you believe they're made in the image of God, right. and it's your job to walk alongside them for a while and help them become more of who they were created to be. That's a different starting point than it is mm-hmm. for other educators. And so, where there's so much darkness in our field right now, where yeah. people are giving up and they're 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 not having it, when you come to a place like this and you're you're literally living in dorms together, eating <laughs> together, playing pickleball together, going to top golf together, crying together, laughing together, yeah. doing sing-alongs at night because somebody <laughs> can play the piano. And, you know, it's uh, that, that's a very different kind of experience than undergrad is. Right. And so that's, that's the difference you're feeling. They're both Baylor, but they're both, mm-hmm. and they both have their purpose, but grad school can be so much richer. The problem is programs are not set up like this for grad school yeah. mm-hmm. where you have this life on life, mm-hmm. 10 day intensive, and you have read a lot. Oh my goodness. I yes. think <laughs> you've probably read 40, 40 authors yeah. in, mm-hmm. for these two weeks and you've written a lot because yes. I've, evaluated and given feedback on a lot. <laughs> and so there were some nights where I'm giving feedback on 70 assignments between mm-hmm. five o'clock at night and eight the next morning. Mm-hmm. So I'm reading 30,000 words, but we're just immersed yeah. in yeah. each other's experiences and in this shared reading. Mm-hmm. And so I think what you're saying makes total sense. You didn't veer off. You mm-hmm. just articulated the difference between undergrad and grad school. Yeah. And what's neat about the cohort, because sometimes in education in schools, there can be a comparison yes. and an exclusion of right. different people. But what's been neat about this, it's like everyone's in it together and curious about other people and their mm-hmm. experience and their 
just depth of knowledge. And so that's been neat just to learn from other people and just to be in a place of like, everyone is leading at high capacities wherever they are. And, and there's not a sense of that comparison, but just this like great celebration in, in what we're doing and then coming together to be encouraged in what we're doing and improving from there. Yeah. Well, when we started the program three years ago, people were like, you can't do public and <laughs> private school together. I was like, well, hey, we're going to split for three classes because they are mm-hmm. contextually different enough. But we're grounding this in the fact that we're all educators called to serve different places. And so let's do it together. Mm-hmm. And I have yet to hear any public or private school person complain about the fact that other people don't understand their context because of the curiosity that you Mm -hmm. pointed out. And so that's truly part of what in the first book I wrote, which is The Novice Advantage, is very, I feel like, innate to beginners. And sometimes we lose that over time. So I have two of you that many people would call (laughs) novice teachers, even (laughs) though you've been teaching kids for a long time, just Mm -hmm. not officially in a school sometimes. But you've had a lot of experience before Baylor. At Baylor, you had a ton of experience before you came to Wheaton because you were teaching kids all over the world, if I remember your experience right. And so that novice advantage, that kind of playfulness, the curiosity, the experimentation where you're willing to try and ask for help. Mm -hmm. How do you see that as an advantage to you both in a leadership program like this? Let's start with you, Brittany. So I, this whole week or 10 day process, I've been admitting that like I'm a sponge. Like Mm -hmm. I thrive off learning off of other people. Um, So the whole novice advantage, once we started reading that book, I was like, okay, this is encouraged. Like, this is what I am supposed to be doing. And Mm -hmm. we're trying to teach educators who have been in the profession for 20, 30 years to reinstill their novice advantage and their novice mindset. So I think I used to, um, honestly, the first kind of two years of teaching, think that that was a weakness of mine Mm -hmm. to be like, oh, I'm so new and I don't know anything. So I'm just going to sit back and like... um, let other people lead me and tell me what to do. And if I have a question, I may or may not ask it. But now after this course, I'm like, no, I want to encourage everyone at my school to have this outlook, Mm -hmm. no matter how many years you've been in the profession, no matter if your degree is in education or not, like it's uplifting and um, informative and, you know, all the good things to have that novice Mm -hmm. advantage and novice mind look of, I don't know everything, Mm, but with questions and with seeking and with observation, I still have so much to learn. Right. Right. Well, all leaders are following someone. Yes. So there's a followership that's required and and novices understand that. So it's not that you go in and be bold and arrogant and say, Mm -hmm. I know all these things. It's like, no, I want to learn from and Mm -hmm. with you and I have something to offer. Uh, So Meredith, I'll let you answer that question as well if you want. And then I want to hear as novices, we're much more likely to share things when they don't go well, because there's something about that, that vulnerability that elicits in and others. So if you read the novice advantage, every, almost every teaching thing in there for me, I look like an idiot, uh, but it's to elicit from others like, Hey, this didn't go well. What can I do better? Or should I just never do this again? Because mm-hmm. there are things we do that we should just never do again. But uh, Meredith, what would you say to being a novice in a leadership program? What's, what have been the advantages and disadvantages? Yeah, it's been such a joy to come in with a fresh fresh perspective of having, I think a disadvantage is not having enough experience to work with. I think that's been something I'm like, oh, this would even be more enriched if I had more scenarios to work with. But also it's been beautiful being going into school this year of like, 
I've, this is my first year, so we're going to dream big and then I'll figure out the reality of how this is going to work out. But same with the program, it's been really neat of like being able to ask questions and stay curious. I think that's curiosity is huge with a novice mindset is curiosity and that confident humility Mm -hmm. because and I've, I've wrestled, I've like, I don't want to lose this joy. I don't want to lose this curiosity right. as a first year teacher, but it starts every day with humility mm-hmm. and every day being like, okay, I want to like get more excited about other people than other people like hearing about my time. Mm-hmm. I want to hear about them. And so that's been really beautiful. Just like there's been so many people to ask questions to. And so staying in a state of just questioning. And I think for me to a quote in my classroom says wisdom begins with wonder from Socrates, Mm -hmm. but it's really cool because wisdom and wonder are both found in the Lord. So if we're Mm -hmm. finding wisdom and wonder in the Lord every day, then out of that, we get to live with wisdom and wonder and invite that curiosity in other people. So that's been, that's been a joy to like be at this place and to ask a lot of questions and just be in awe of all the awesome things that are going on too. Uh, well, yeah. I, I think Meredith, you you do this well. Uh, Tim Keller writes in The Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness that the truly gospel humble person, when you meet them, you don't even think about them. You think about how much they think of you. Mm-hmm. And so, you're, and I feel like you do that. And I think that's a gift. I think that's really natural, but I think novices can do that or they can make it all about them right. mm-hmm. because they're in survival mode. And so, I think that's a choice. So, in true novice fashion, uh, <laughs> embarrassing moment that's happened in your first year or two of teaching. Uh, so, we'll start with Brittany and then we'll go over to Meredith. All right. So my story is my very first day of teaching. Um, I actually taught one year in Florida before moving back to Texas. And um, I... Is this why you had to leave Florida? (laughs) (laughs) Thankfully not. After uh, it occurred, I definitely was concerned. But um, I was, you know, first day introductions, whatever, pulled up some type of YouTube video, Um, have no idea what it was because my brain just went into being mortified. Um, and so I pulled up the video, my kids were all ready. I hit play and, you know, good old YouTube with the YouTube ads. Um, and I really, I, I mean, I was brand new on this computer. Nobody had ever used it. Don't know why this ad popped up. Um, but I hit play, I stepped back from my computer and I mean, it was a full on two men pinned up against the wall, deep makeout session. The kids are screaming. I'm screaming. I'm running back over to my computer to try and get it to stop. Like, you know, new technology, not really sure how it all works. Like, can I just turn the computer off? Do I have to hit pause? Like, (laughs) I don't know what to do. Um, So long story short, uh, you pure type websites before using YouTube (laughs) videos for your class are a lifesaver and I will never not use them. uh, So I don't have to be in that pickle again. That's but yeah, amazing. it sounds so cringy and awkward. <laughs> uh, so. Yes, and it was a, a class of third graders too. So uh, it was it was all sorts. A lot of, of questions, and especially on your first day, way to persevere. Yeah, all right. Yeah, it all I was gets better. Really worried that the parents would find out and I lose my right. job on the first day, but I didn't. Right. So <laughs> right, right. All right, go ahead. One of my uh, favorite parts of teaching has been the questions kids ask. And so that has been really fun. Um, And I have a lot of, I have so many embarrassing moments. I have (laughs) quite a handful of funny yet very emotional boys in the classroom. But I loved the questions they would ask. And one day a boy's reading a book and we have silent time and he raises his hand and he, I come over to him and he's like, Miss Fry, 
what's a thong? And I am like, oh no, what is he reading? This third grader as well. And he points to like a Roman sandal or something and it said a thong. And I was like, yes, so that's a shoelace strap. And I, oh, crisis averted. But it was just funny how just the questions they ask and they don't even realize what they're Mm -hmm. asking. So yeah, that's been fun. (laughs) It's good. Glad we were talking about Roman shoe footwear. That's that's a win. I'm like in Brittany's classroom. Who knows what might have yeah. might, might, might going yeah. on. So usually wrap up with a lightning round. And as new teachers, uh, the, so if you can answer in a word, phrase, or sentence, that's perfect. You get a lot of advice. So what's the worst advice that you have received that you remember? And then I'd love to hear the best advice. So you can start either way, best or worst. Worst advice is start off strict and like not smile because that is who I am. But I've realized this year what it means is that it means that you have to set expectations for your students, but you don't know those until after your first year teaching. So I've learned a lot of experience, how that teaches you. And now I can set high expectations with a smile. Yes, that is the most frequently cited bad advice on the podcast that Mm -hmm. we get. And I do think it's true. You're not there to be their friend. Mm -hmm. You're there to be their teacher. They need you to be the teacher, but you don't communicate that you're their teacher by not smiling. Mm -hmm. That is like breaking relationship with them because that's what we look for. And it was one of the challenges with masks during COVID where you can see, you can see (laughs) eyes like, is it smiling? Are they smiling? What is is going on there? You had to read a lot just in the eyes and it's very difficult. I remember um, one of my students, I was doing my internship at at Baylor uh, my senior year during the peak of COVID. And one of my kids was like, uh, Ms. Griffith, I just realized it's halfway through the year and I've never seen your smile. And I immediately like pulled my face mask down. I was like, I promise I'm smiling under here. And this like makes me so mm. sad. Right. No, that's but, real. So best or worst advice from you? Uh, I'm going to go with best advice. I had a mentor when I was in high school because I also did a teaching prep class through my high school. Yep. Um, and she gave me a notebook at the end and it said, uh, write down the good to remember the why. And it was, she was like, this is one of the hardest professions, if not the hardest profession. um, And nobody's going to understand this profession unless they've been in it. Mm -hmm. Um, So she was like, you know, there's going to be a lot of hard days. You're going to have hard students. You're going to have hard faculty members. And if you just dwell in that, I mean, your time is limited in the profession. But if you can write down the good, the silly moments, the funny, um, the Mm -hmm. awkward stories, (laughs) Or the light bulb moments that you see in your kids, mm-hmm. just keep documenting that. And it's it's exactly like what people do where they um, write down one thing they're grateful for every morning. Yeah. Like the more you practice that gratitude and that gratefulness, like that's what leads your life and yeah. not that negative mindset. So yeah. I really appreciate her words and I try to live that out. We're doing a horrible job in the lightning round right now. <laughs> yeah, sorry. But it's good. Like I, I precipitated it. I precipitated it. So I, I think we'll full faster. ownership. No, you're good. So this is another one that's hard to answer okay. briefly. So we'll see if you can. Biggest challenge you see for educators looking ahead in the next year? Uh, staying positive. Mm. Honestly, um, there's a lot of culture to, I think, just in life in general. Yeah. It's very easy if one person starts a negative train, yeah. people hop on board real quick. That's right. Um, just a complaint over anything so silly, like I woke up in a bad mood yeah. and then someone's like, oh, I had a bad dream. And then, That's, well, my breakfast was burnt this morning. I mean, it is so silly how spirals. it starts and then it really spirals. So, yeah, um, yeah. I know fun. I'm going on a long time. No, yeah, that's, a good, that's a good explanation. That's real. I'd say yeah. social emotional learning yeah. for students yeah, yeah. of 
since COVID, but like you're actually teaching them life skills right. more than just in the classroom. That's right. That's right. Well, we read the statistics about how oh much goodness, they're yeah. not going out and hanging out together. They're on their phones. They're isolated. That, so sad. that cannot be good uh, for what society's looking ahead at. What makes you most hopeful as we'll end on this one? Make, what makes you most hopeful for the next year? Seeing growth. Um, I called my students the mighty oaks and um, that they will be oaks of righteousness, the planning of the Lord that he may be glorified from Isaiah 61, which was such an encouragement because when we focus on, okay, it's not about my glory mm -hmm. and it's about seeing them grow and seeing it like a mighty oak mm -hmm. is that there, we're not going to, I'm not going to see a lot of growth, but I, just to see a little yeah. bit um, and the picture of a tree has been really helpful of like, and that gives me hope of like, I'm not going to. Yeah implement all of it but i get to just be a part yeah. of a little bit of growth awesome. in watering yeah um i think what gives me hope is honestly being encouraged to provide the change mm. so this whole experience i've really really been rooted in leading with love first i mean that's mm. a thing that i've instilled in my life since as far back as i can remember um so many people lack love in their life and if i can do that as a teacher and just really advocate for my students I mean, love multiplies. Yeah. And so that is what I think is going to carry us further. Sure. And we can, you know, I'll come in with this new gained experience and bring it back to my team. And hopefully we can lead towards love. Yeah, love mm -hmm. it. And it will mm -hmm. go out. Love it. Hey, well, thank you for your time. Thanks for what you do for your kids. I, I'm excited to spend the next 18 months with you all in the program Ooh. and just hear more about what the Lord does through you in the lives of kids. So thanks for being with us. Thank you. I love what Brittany just shared about leading with love. I think that's what we're all called to. And as confidently humble uh, believers who are in the classroom, wherever we're called to, that's what we do. We lead with love. And you can hear in their answers, even in the embarrassing moments and the mistakes they've made, but you can hear the growth that they are excited about as they grow as leaders because of the growth they see in their students. And this is what makes teaching which is the profession that makes all of this possible, of course, which we always say, but it makes it so life-giving because every day is different and we get to see the work of the Lord through us in the lives of students. And so it's a blessing to be able to work with educators like Brittany and Meredith. And I hope you have a great rest of the week in the profession that makes all others possible. Thanks for listening. This podcast is brought to you by Baylor Center for School Leadership.